of Isaiah, looking in chapter 26 this morning, as we continue our series on the Gospel of Isaiah. The world talks about peace, and we talk about it a lot during Christmas time, peace on earth and goodwill to men. And yet uh, the world cries, peace, peace, as the Bible says, but there is no peace. And what is genuine peace? And what is God-given peace? And what is that peace that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, the peace that passes understanding that uh, God gives to those who will keep their minds upon him? But in chapter 26, we see that, uh, that uh, Isaiah pretty well describes this to us as we look, as we begin reading in verse 1. In that day, now let's set the, the, um, the setting here. Uh, we know that uh, all the way through the book of Isaiah, he's preaching to not only Israel, but to the nations around them. The, the Old Testament prophets preached, uh, they were preaching to the world, and Israel was God's oracle to the world in the Old Testament times. And we see that the preachers, whether did Jonah go to a, to a Gentile nation and preach? And one of the greatest revivals in history happened with a Jewish prophet going to a Gentile city, and thousands of people got saved. And so we see that uh, you'll see this all the way through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, even Daniel, where they are preaching to Gentiles around them. You'll, if you go back and look in chapter, from chapters 13 on up to chapter 26, you'll see that he's preaching to Tyre, which was a city, um, which is in Lebanon now. Uh, he preached to Babylon. He preached to, to Nineveh. Uh, and uh, he preached to even Egypt and Cairo, or not Cairo, but to, to the different cities around. If you didn't, sometimes when you read these prophets and you don't know what the city is or what the, who is he preaching to, it's usually a city. And it's a city of great influence or the capital of that area. Uh, when, you, when we think of Paris, what do we think of? What's the country? When you think of London, what do you think of? When you think of Berlin, so, so a lot of times when he's preaching to these cities, then actually he's preaching uh, to the whole nation. And so we look at verse, so he says, in that day, and so what's happening is that he's talking about now all this judgment's coming upon them. But again, as you understand, uh, the prophets, they will use a specific situations going around them and they were projecting to the future of, for one thing the immediate future is judgments coming but also he will talk about judgment coming to to the world uh in a future day but then he's talking about victories coming of course he's projecting as we saw back in chapter six and nine where he's talking to a king and the king he's condemning. And yet he says, out of all this, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And so he's projecting way into the future. And yet it goes right over the head of that wicked king Ahaz. And so you'll see that a lot. And so to understand many times when you read the Old Testament prophets, just realize that they're preaching about things that they don't even understand. We saw that in um, Sunday school this morning where in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, he says the prophets didn't understand what the, the, the things that were going to happen, the glories of Christ and the sufferings that should follow, the things that God was going to go through as far as, as, as for both the suffering Messiah as well as the conquering Messiah. 
we see with Isaiah, he talks about this great and glorious kingdom. But then in chapter 53, he talks about a suffering Messiah who's like a sheep led before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And so they could not understand how that there were going to be not two Messiahs, but one Messiah, and there was going to be a gap between the cross and the final consummation of the age. And so we know, and of course we saw again in Sunday school this morning, that there's a great, uh, there was an institution that God was going to institute uh, after the cross that uh, we are in today. And what's that called? The church, the church age in which we are living. The, um, and Paul tells us both in Colossians and Ephesians that, uh, that this was revealed to him and to the prophets, to him and to Peter. Peter talked about it in 1 Peter. And we see here that he says, this is a revelation that the Jew didn't know about. And so today, folks, you're sitting in an institution that uh, Isaiah didn't know about. But when is this institution going to be taken out and God's going to start dealing with the institution of Israel again? What's, a, what's, what's, our next, what's the next thing on God's, God's great calendar? We call it the rapture, where you're going to take the church out of the age and you don't see that the church at all mentioned in that seven-year period from chapter through chapter 19 of the book of Revelation because God is dealing with Israel in the time of whose trouble? The church's trouble, right? No, the Jacob's trouble. God's calling call Israel back to himself. We see that beginning today. We see God's gathering. And so when these things are happening, then we are to look up for the coming of man draws nigh or draws near. So folks, uh, it's getting pretty nasty out there, isn't it? But to folks, that's the time not to look around and get all discouraged. It's the time to look up and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And so we see in that day, what day are we talking about? In the day of this great victory where the Messiah is going to rule and reign. But at the same time, we're going to see that he talks about it as if it's already, you know, folks, we want to talk about heaven as if, uh, I mean, if, we, if, if Isaiah was writing about heaven, then he talks about it many times as if he's already there. Why? Because if God said it, I can believe it. It's like uh, um, a businessman told me one time, he says, I'm, I'm a small town. And uh, this is back when we used checks a lot more than the electronics. But he said, uh, there are certain people in this town that if they tell me that the check is in the mail, then I better wait on it. And once it gets here, then I better go to the bank and cash it before I can do any other business. Then he says, there's other people that are, uh, that, uh, uh, that tell me the check's in the mail. And so when I get it, then I already know that I can, that it's good. And then there's certain people that tell me that the check's in the mail and I just go ahead and plan everything because I know it's right. Well, folks, God says the check's in the mail. So we can go ahead and act like we can do our business knowing that it's coming. Amen. And so the check's in the mail. These days are coming. And those that you'll see, Isaiah will talk about it. In that day, this will happen. But then he starts talking about, but Lord, as if he's already in that day. Lord, I, you know, Lord, uh, Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. You know, I mean, he's already praying as if, boy, I'm, pl- I'm making my plans because God says it's going to happen. 
And so this is the way that the, if you understand that, then many times when you're reading the book of Isaiah, you say, wait a minute, he's talking about here, here and then he's talking about something in the future. No, he's, talk, he's looking into the future, but he's looking at it as we do today in the present time. I don't know what's going to happen in Israel tomorrow. I, we got some of the craziest politicians both on both sides of the aisle in Washington, and it's just a wonder God keeps us together. Every time I really pull for somebody, and that's the reason you, don't, you hardly ever, ever hear me mentioning a name, because I'll say, oh, this person sounds pretty good. And if I say it from the pulpit, invariably the next week they'll embarrass me or do something like, oh, no, I just said that I thought they were pretty good people. You ever, so, you know, because we're all sinners. Right now I've got a great hope for that, uh, I won't name him, but uh, that, that new leader in Washington. I mean, I really got a lot of hope for him. He sounds like he's a very good man. He's going to be beaten after death. So you're going to, we really need to pray for him because he stands up for biblical principles. But so that, uh, there again, my hope is not in him. My hope is in the Lord that can use him. And uh, so let's pray that God will. But in that day, he's talking about, okay, he's going to be talking about in that day, things are going to be good. But then he talks about it as if I can, I can apply these blessings to my life today. And so, and that's the reason we, we look at this. In that day, they're talking about the millennium, that great day when God's going to be in Jerusalem, ruling from the capital city, the whole world. And so he says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth, may enter in. Was the nation uh, righteous? No, he's been condemning them for the last 12 chapters. <laughs> so he's talking about, you know, open the gates. You know, Lord, if this is happening, I wanna, I'm thinking about that day when Israel is going to walk through those gates as a righteous nation. And so that's what I mean is whenever he projects into the future, Lord, if you say it's going to happen, the check's in the mail. So I'm thinking about what it's going to be like one day. But at the same time, I could apply the principles to my life today. And so he says, open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, that is Jehovah, the Lord is everlasting strength. For he, bring down, he brings down those who dwell on high. The lofty city he lays low, and he lays it low to the ground. He brings it down to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of ju the just is uprightness. O Most High, you weigh the path of the just. Yes, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. With my soul, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, um, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness in the land of the upright, he will dwell unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they will see and be ashamed for their envy of the people. Yes, the fire of your enemies shall devour them. Lord, you will 
establish peace for us, for you have also done all our works in us. O Lord our God, masters beside you have uh, had dominion over us, but you only we make mention of your name. They are dead, they will not live. They are, uh, they are deceased, they will not rise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their mis- memory the, uh, to perish. You have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You have glorified, you have expanded all the borders of the land. Lord, in trouble, they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when they were chastened, when your chastening was upon them. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor the inhabitants of the world fallen. Your dead shall live together with the dead body. They shall rise. Awake and sing. You shall dwell in the dust. Excuse me. <clears throat> For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Now, Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Give us understanding, Lord, and your thoughts in your mind that you were speaking through this great prophet. And realize, Lord, that uh, in the midst of the gloom and the heartache that uh, he was facing immediately and the nation of Israel was soon going to uh, understand. And yet, Lord, in that, there's always the hope for those who will live for you. And so, Lord, we see a prayer mixed with blessing, a prayer mixed with desperation and futility as people who were expecting something as a mother was with a child, and yet all they did was inherit the land. Lord, we realize that just how bad the, the world, the, every time we get our hopes up, they're dashed by our sin. And yet, Lord, we know in the end our hope is in you. So bless our people, Lord. Bless us as we would seek and tell the world about the hope that lies within us. Use us mightily, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, back in the 5th century, 4th century, 5th century, 400 AD, you had a man that has been used and abused. His name was St. Augustine, or Augustine, as we call him. He was sainted by the church later on. But uh, he was a, one of the, a very deep thinker. And he wrote during the time that Rome was, was falling into the hand of the Visigoths, if you ever studied history, and the uh, Vandals, that was another tribe, the Hun, Attila the Hun, and all those people were coming, and they were raiding is, uh, Rome, and they were, uh, just, little by little, or much by much, Israel, Rome was being was taken over or was disintegrating the political power. The, the country had become so corrupt that uh, now they were 
the, the, the nation of, of Rome was falling. In fact, it was going to cease to exist. And many people were wondering, we just can't keep going this way. And uh, what are we going to do without Rome? What are we going to do without the, you know, Christianity? Uh, Constantine, a couple of hundred years before, or a hundred years before, had made this a Christian nation. And Rome now was really becoming the center of Christianity and all this. What are we going to do without Rome? And the uh, Augustine, Augustine, if you want to call him that, was uh, he wrote a book that was, has been one of the most famous in church history called uh, The City of God. And he talked about the city of God, of course, being this new Jerusalem. And, they, and of course, he did not equate the new Jerusalem as far as what God's going to do in the millennium from the heavenly Jerusalem that we see in Revelation 22. But he said, this, there's a city of God and there's a city of man. Now, if we look at cities... Of course, we know Zion, city of our God. We love to, we talk about the God, the song, that, the city that God established. But you'll notice in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, where, or chapter 4, chapter 3, where, um, uh, where Cain killed his brother Abel. And the Lord told him, a fugitive and a vagabond, you're going to be upon the earth. And if you remember, Cain argued with God and said, Lord, uh, you know, uh, this is too much for me to bear. And the Lord let him off the hook a little bit and said, okay, I'm going to protect you. You can live your life, but, uh, but uh, whoever tries to destroy you, I will, you know, I'll protect you. But then he told him, you're, going to be a, you're not going to really be established on the earth. You're just going to be kind of a wanderer. And that's what happens. Uh, 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 you know, we, were, we talked about a wanderer. Um, lost and wandering in sin. And so so you represented a person who didn't know the Lord. Well, if you read the very next phrase or next couple of verses, you'll see that the first thing that Cain did was go out and build a city. Now, how big that city could be back in that time? I mean, it had to be his relatives and so forth. But he established a place. Rather than being that Bedouin or that person who uh, was a nomad, he went out and he set... And so... We call that the law of first mention. What we mean by that is whenever you read something in the Bible and the first time it's mentioned, generally all the way through the rest of the Bible, it's going to have that tone over it. Now, did man build some great cities in the book of, or in the Old Testament? Yes. You think about uh, some of the great cities that, uh, <coughs> that were built. And uh, of course, uh, the Ur of the Chaldees, and then uh, the cities that, that were established that uh, Abraham was in. Sodom and Gomorrah were great cities, were they not? Uh, so we see that uh, then we know of Nineveh, and we know of Babylon, and of course, we know of Rome and Athens, all these places. Uh, we say that, uh, as we said in Isaiah, <coughs> these be- the verses before, we see uh, great cities that were very notable there. Now, they were Tyre. And so, Israel, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, Israel, but um, we see that cities have great influence, and even Chicago today, it's a center of learning. There's all kinds of th- all kinds of art and uh, things that are down there that are just tremendous uh, situation. I, I got water, thank you. But um, just a moment, I'm sorry. You know, some of the beautiful music, all kinds of things down there. But at the same time, 
is, um, is Chicago known for its righteousness? <laughs> yeah, we all laugh. But that's true with about every city, isn't it? There's no city of, that man has ever built that's a righteous city. And so when we talk about the holy city, we're not talking about Rome, and we're not talking about Jerusalem today, but there is a holy city. And uh, that was one of uh, uh, Dennis uh, Linder's favorite song that he'd sing every Christmas at the holy city. And of course, we're talking about the new Jerusalem. We're talking about Jerusalem that one day will be that holy city. That's the city of God, Zion, city of our God. And that's what, uh, what the Jew is looking forward to today, when that city will be established in God's righteousness for a thousand years. And then, of course, we know he's going to remake it uh, for heaven for eternity. And so it is going to be a holy city as contrast. And notice in verse uh, 5, where he talks about the lofty city. And, of course, that's the city of man. And so what, uh, what Augustine attempted to do was to show that there's a difference between the city of God and the city of man. Unfortunately, what, uh, the, uh, what people did was, in their politics, all of a sudden the new city, the city of God, was going to be Rome. Because, after all, that's where the church was established, wasn't it? And even today, you think about it, the only religion in all the world that, that the United States have, has an ambassador to is the holy city of Rome and the Vatican. We, there's no other religion in the world that we have an ambassador to a religion. Isn't it interesting how that is? And so, we, you know, this is the holy see, this is the holy... No, it's, uh, it's not the holy city, folks. The holy city is not going to be here until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and plants his feet on Mount Zion and he walks through that city and cleanses it. Like one more time, he's cleansed, it, cleansed the temple twice. He's going to come and cleanse it again. Three times a charm, I guess. But uh, then he's going to rule and reign for how long? A thousand years. And that's what Isaiah is looking for. He's like, and God says it, so I'm looking forward to it. And so he writes as if it's already happening. Although we know that that was 3,000 years ago, almost. And so, so he talks about, in that day, the song shall song. So he says, we have a strong city. Now it's present tense. But that city is God. God will appoint salvation from the very walls is going to be righteous. <laughs> salvation is going to be preached from the walls of that city. He says, open the gates. Whosoever, hey folks, let's look up and see what God's going to do. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. Are they righteous at the time? Absolutely not. But he's looking forward to that day that it was, would be. And so we see that he says, you know, this is going to be the ideal, folks. Let's ask God to bring it today. Even so, what do we say? Even so, come Lord Jesus. So he's looking, Lord, you said it. Uh, we, we didn't look at chapters 24, but he talks about that great thousand-year reign of what God's going to be doing. So now in chapter 26, he's just talking as if it's going to happen tomorrow. So open the gates, Lord, let us in. And make us righteous before you. He says that the righteous nation keeps your truth. We don't have a righteous nation. Israel's not a righteous nation today. But there are those of us today that keep his truth. We try to anyway, as sinful as we are. But Lord, open the gates, let us in. But then here's the, then notice how he does it. Then we see that what he says, 
as if he's talking about exactly what God can do today that he's going to do a thousand years from now. Or, excuse me, for a thousand years. But he says in verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. That's one of the verses that many Christians love to quote as their life verse. But yet it's talking about the millennium. But does it apply today? Isaiah writes it as if it applied to him. So can we apply it to us today? We don't, read, we don't read ourselves into Israel. We're not Jews. But is this an eternal truth? And can we, can we claim that today? Yes, we can. Because God tells us that he will keep us in perfect peace. So open the gates. Let's all worship together. We, we open our doors. We want people to come in and worship with us. And we want them to be redeemed as we are. Do we not? I know I'm on my way to heaven, folks. Is that, does that make me proud and better than anybody else? No, I just want everybody in Belvedere to go with me. Amen? It doesn't make me proud as far as my identity. It just makes me want to see everybody else have what I have. And so if that's pride, so be it. But at the same time, I hope it's a godly pride. I'm not a bit better, not a bit better than anybody here in Belvedere because I'm just a sinner saved by His grace and so are you. But uh, folks, Lord, open the gates. So Isaiah is saying, Lord, if this is the case, let's get everybody saved in Jerusalem today and let's enter in. It says, and you will keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect, peace, is the word, of course, peace is shalom. And actually, the Jewish word here is not perfect peace, although that is a, a great translation, but it is Peace, peace. He says, you will keep him in shalom, shalom. Whenever the Lord uses words, or the, especially in the Hebrew language, like uh, holy, 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 then he's talking about the ultimate holiness. When he talked about holy of holies, of course, that was the ultimate place on earth where God showed his presence in the ark. Whenever, he talks, whenever Solomon talked about vanity of vanities, he's talking about Airheads. I mean, nothing. I mean, the person is just totally out of it. They don't know anything. And actually, it's how sad it was because he felt like he was that person because he had turned away from God. And so, just total emptiness, vain in their imaginations. You know, the idea of. So, we see that whenever we see the terms that are used twice, so God says the ultimate peace. Now, what does Paul call that? The peace that passes understanding, right? Philippians chapter 4, shall keep your hearts. And so we see then that he says, you will keep him in perfect peace. That peace that the world cannot know, as we sang this morning. There's a peace in my heart that the world has never known. And so we see that uh, he says, that will keep him in perfect peace. And notice he says that whose mind, now how do we have that perfect peace? whose mind is stayed. And that word stayed is, we sang it this morning, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. It's the idea of being focused, being established, being fixed. We could also see 
the things like leaning and just totally depending on that. Whenever that uh, priest, and the, the word, word comes from, when he laid his hands on that sheep, he was almost leaning on it and he was establishing and his heart was fixed on the transfer of his sins to that sheep, that lamb, of course, who would become the lamb of God. We sing leaning on Jesus. Uh, uh, we sing the song leaning, leaning. That's the idea that we're totally dependent. We're fixed on him. And so we see that he says, my heart is fixed. Or the, excuse me, he says that, uh, that whose mind is stayed. It's leaning, it's trusting, it's wanting to see. Underneath are the everlasting arms. So we lean on those arms. And so he says, uh, whose mind is leaning, who's established, who turns off the television and, what, and gets his mind on the Lord, who gets his mind off of the world, and I just concentrate on him. And he says, whose mind is stayed on him. Because why? I trust in him. Folks, trusting comes from the mind. Oh, there's all kinds of things out there today. We hear that word unsustainable. You know, uh, things aren't going to keep going the way it is. Uh, of course, we had flown over to Virginia earlier this week. And of course, when that, bo- when that car blew up on the bridge, we we're saying, oh boy, here it's coming again. Are we going to get back to Belvedere? Because everybody's just thinking, well, boy, something's going to happen soon. Do you feel that way? I mean, either we're going to have a stock market crash, the world's going to come. There, by the way, folks, there won't be a World War III. Not until the Lord comes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I wish if there was going to be a World, World War III, I wish the Lord would take us out quick. I don't want to go slow. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I mean, Lord, if you're going to destroy this plane while I'm up in it, make it quick. Don't let me scream all the way down 5,000 feet, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... Uh, so there again, uh, you know, that, that, uh, so we see this, it says that because I trust in you. So I'm trusting you with you in my mind. And you know, that's, here I was studying this. I'm saying, oh boy, now wait a minute. Am I trusting the Lord or am I all upset? You know, so yeah, you make uh, plans. You tell your kids where the will is and all that kind of stuff. But boy, if the Lord takes, takes me, I'll see you later, guys. You know, I wish I could be that flippant, but I'm not. We are all men most miserable. And yet uh, there should be that hope of the believer that my, my heart is fixed on him. I know whom I believe, and I'm convinced that he's able to take that which I've committed to him. And so there again, can I trust God with the things I've given him? And if I've given him my life, then what else can I give him? Amen? And so we see that he says, my heart is fixed. He says, the great peace, the peace, peace, shalom, shalom, that you will have if you trust in him. Folks, it comes from the mind. So whenever we have our doubts and our fears, it's the battle of the mind. And doesn't the Lord tell us that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind? So if I love the Lord with all my mind, guess what? Perfect love, 1 John chapter 4, perfect love does what? Cast out all fear. Now, I'm not perfect love yet. I still have my fears. How about you? But that's the battle of the mind. Am I going to allow my fears to take over or am I going to trust in my Lord? Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Singing, you know, singing as he promised. 
perfect peace and rest. And so turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Folks, we need to start practicing what we sing. Amen? And so my heart... And so, folks, if God wrote it, the check's in the mail. And I could go ahead and plan on it as if it's already here. And so if God tells me he's going to take me and one day I'm going to be ever absent from the body, present with the Lord, then I want his presence in my life right now. Don't you? And so again... I want, I want to worship him with my mind. Lord, yeah, there is the opportunity and there is the reason at times to fear, but my heart will trust in you. And how many times do we see that in the book of, uh, of, of Psalms that we've looked at? When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so the Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And so we see all that that's the battle that's been throughout the ages is are we going to fear what can happen on earth or are we going to trust in the Lord? Shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And so I haven't perfected it yet, folks. And every time you think you have, guess what? There's going to be something else going to test it in your life. But that's the, that's the walk of life is trusting the Lord in our fears and in our trust. Why? Because, Lord, I trust in you. I've thrown everything in your arms. I've thrown everything to you. And I'm going to go to bed. That's casting your cares upon him. But how many times do we have uh, sleepless nights because we can't do that? And, uh, and there have been times, and each one of us have done it, where you get up and walk around a little bit and then go back to bed and then you get up and walk. Yep. And so there again, there are reasons to fear. But even in those fears, can we sing when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And so we see that uh, he says, trust in the Lord forever because with him, trusting him, is we're going to have that everlasting peace. For it. He says that, that that's our strength is the trusting in the Lord. Now, that city in contrast, there's a strong city that we're looking forward to, the Jew is looking forward to, the city we're looking for is the New Jerusalem. But there's the old city, and you can say Chicago here. Just put Chicago out. No, don't do that. But there in verse 5, he says, For he brings down those who dwell on high, the lofty city. Whether it's D.C. or Baghdad or wherever else today. There's a lot of hot air coming from those cities today, aren't they? And yet God's going to bring them down and he will establish righteousness forever. Oh my, we're already almost done uh, as far as time. It might be something. Check outside if it's still snowing. If it is, I'll preach to a quick start. No, but No, I won't. But, uh, but uh, there again, he goes through the rest of this chapter and I just uh, felt the last moment, just to, to read through this. But notice he says in verse 7, the way of the just is, right, is uprightness. Almost, uh, almost upright. You weigh the path of the just. So Lord, you are the one watching over me now. And so we see that now he says, you, you have power over my life and I can trust you in the circumstances of life. And so 
you know, these, I know that, yes, it looks like these cities are strong. It looks like uh, the things that are coming from these, uh, uh, these university towns and everything is just so blatant. And yet God's going to bring those down too. And all this corruption and all this, uh, this anti-God things that are coming from some of our universities today is just sickening. But God has a way of bringing those down to you. And so we see that he says, uh, Lord, you weigh my job. I can't worry about them. I, all I know, Lord, is I can trust you. And so you weigh the way. Lord, I don't want to be weighed in the balance and, and found wanting. Lord, you know my way, the way that I take. I'm going to trust in you with all my heart. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my, there's that word lean. That word lean is the same type of word as, uh, as far as, uh, is, which is the idea of stayed. And lean not into that own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm going to what? Acknowledge him or acknowledge you. And he will, and he promised me something. If I'll do that, what will he do? He will direct my paths. So Lord, whatever it is, I want your will for my life. And so he's saying, Lord, you weigh this out. And well, we're not going to take the time to go through all this. But the whole idea is that you know the just shall live by faith. And so, Lord, I'm going to live by faith for you. Now, verse 11, uh, he tells us, Lord, Lord, when um, your hand is lifted up, and he says, the, I don't have to worry about that. The, the, uh, the, my enemies are going to eat their own. And basically, don't we see that today? People, I mean, our people that are against God, are they're fighting one another. And so, Lord, you'll take care of them. Either you'll take care of them or you'll let each one of them take care of themselves. But sin always brings self-destruction. But then we see, the, so we see the power that we have. We have that strength in the Lord. And then he says, God will take care of these. And then we see the promises in verse 12. As he goes on, he says, um, he says, Lord, you will establish peace for us. Now, Lord, that's your promise. For you have also done, our, you've done all our works in us. Lord, you're the one who saved me. You're the one who put me here this morning to preach to other people. You've done all this in my life already. And so, Lord, I want, now, if I don't have peace, Lord, I want to search for it. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. So, Lord, if I don't have peace, I want to search for it. Amen? That's the best thing to do in life. When you're all troubled, then, Lord, what's taking away my peace? Is it sin? And if, you, if the Lord doesn't bring anything up, don't dwell and say, I must be a sinner. And you just beat yourself to death and try to find some sin that you can beat yourself with. No, there's all kinds of things in my past and your past that uh, you can go back and just whip ourselves all over again, right? But God says, as far as these is from the, if those have been confessed, they don't need to be confessed anymore. And so, Lord, is it a problem? Is it something maybe you're wanting to move me or tell or, or you want to reveal to me? Is it something in my life? Why, why am I not having peace? Did the Lord ruffle uh, Paul a little bit at times and keep him? Uh, remember one night he stayed up all night because he didn't know which way to go. He was wanting to go south into Ephesus and no, the Lord told him to go, no, go west to Philippi. And so times, God changes our direction. So Lord, if I don't have peace, why is it? So Lord, you established this peace in me and I want, I want to have that peace. So show me what you want me, 
to what do you want to do in my life? And very quickly, and boy, we have to skip over a lot, but um, turn with me, and I like this. He says, open the gates, but then he says, shut the door. Notice in verse 20, in verse 20 he says, come, my people, enter into your chambers, into your closet, and shut the doors behind you. Now, isn't that what the Lord tells us to do? He tells us that if you, when you pray, go into your chamber, into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the, the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So here we see both open, you know, the kingdom of God is community. So folks, we want people, and that's the reason our shut-ins we talked about earlier, we want them to have communion with us because they need us. And we need you. And they need us. And we need each other. Because that's communion. We, let's all come together and let's worship the Lord. Enter into his gates with singing, into his courts with praise. Let's all do it. But there's times when we need to go in and shut the door and go in our secret place and pray to the Lord. Because as much as I love you, you can't take of my problems. As much as you might love coming here, we can't take of your problems. There's a time when we have to go in and shut the door and ask God to take care of the problems. This is a very picturesque about how that Isaiah thinks in his mind, and he can write it on paper, of course, through the inspiration of God. And then he goes on in verse 20, he says, Behold, God will take care of my problems. He'll take care of the enemies. He'll take care of, talk about the nation of Israel. He'll take care of our enemies too. Because one day, ultimately, he will prevail. Do we really trust that? Can we say honestly, even though we don't see the victory, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I trust him for the victory, even though I'm struggling in life at the time? I want to be able to talk like Peter, like Isaiah does here and say, it's already here because the check's in the mail. Amen. Perfect peace. I don't have it, but the check's in the mail. God's coming. And I could live my life as if it's already here because he will give me shalom, perfect peace, if I'll keep my mind on him. Sometimes that means I have to turn off a football game. That means sometimes I have to get away from some activity that I want to do and go in and shut the door and just say, Lord, I want to spend time with you. That God can bless and God can show me the path that I should take for him. Let's pray. Father, we pray in this lost and dying world, in a world that is full of violence and hatred toward you and toward your people, in a place, Lord, of great temptation, of great distraction, when we get so busy that we get our minds off of you. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would keep us close to, the, to you. Jesus, keep us near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream that flows from Calvary's fountain. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would keep us, protect us, watch over us, that we would have the peace that passes understanding in a perverse world. That people, when they see us in the midst of the trials and the heartaches that come, 
whenever we see the distractions and the, and the great violence that uh, looks like it's coming upon our country. Oh, Father, we would pray that you would keep us in perfect peace because we're leaning on you. We're trusting you. We are depending totally on you that you will take care of those. Lord, we realize that the check's in the mail and we can go ahead and act as if it's already here. Bless your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.